The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh God. Yo, do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO Mellow Grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. All this melts of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO, you only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I threw it up. <laughs> Offtherecord.com. Fight those tickets. If you don't win, you don't pay. All you have to do is download the app, snap a photo of your ticket, answer a few questions, get matched to an experienced lawyer, and you won't pay for the ticket. Enter code AWESOME to get a nice discount. Why don't I kick it off? Welcome to Driving While Awesome. My name is Lane. I'm Art. I'm Brian. I'm Ali. <laughs> of course, so we're we're joined by uh, Pete and Ali. That's a uh, racing Ali and Pete nine nine three. Peter B nine nine three. Yep. Cool. Um, so I, you guys are known as the Safari Boys. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Is that uh, with a Z or what? <laughs> oh, it should have been, dude. Yeah. It definitely like an uppercase Z, right? Ooh, oh, hell yeah! Like Jimmy's that would have been so hard. What's happening in all these shirt, by the way? <laughs> it's flat. It's windy as ice out here, dude. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, where are you? I am in Leavenworth, Washington. Just kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's just like Bavaria town, which is really cool. Yeah, I've heard they have good prisons out there. <laughs> they may. <laughs> I know they have really good bratwurst. Ooh. Excellent. That's cool. Oh, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, uh, and what are you yeah, doing so, there? Uh, we're just doing like a three-week family road trip. Went up to Washington to the in-laws' house, rented uh, this big 32-foot camper trailer RV thing, and um, <clears throat> and we're doing about uh, a week out here in eastern Washington, and then we'll drive back home. Go. So you're not too remote. You said in the middle of nowhere, but you have connectivity. Yeah. Um, I'm actually tethering off my phone right now. Um, the, the Wi-Fi here at the campsite is not really great. I'm pretty sure Ali has his own satellite up in space somewhere, and he can just reference that. That's part of, like, the Safari Boys. Safari Boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah the Safari a- Boys satellite. Yeah. So Peter, where are you at? You're at your house right now? Yep. Just at home. Cool. Normal day. Normal um, so Brian, we I think we decided to have them on because they've been they did a little off road adventure together, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you guys are you guys are out there uh on the old country roads, dirt roads living the uh, country song dream, basically. And uh, you're posting these photos on Instagram and everybody's flocking to them. You guys are like, you know, these Instagram posts are like the Pied Piper playing his little flute. And now we're, you know, we're like, wow, how do yeah. we do that? Everybody's like, what, <laughs> what, what are these guys doing? So it feels like a good time off, to have you on. 
Um, with Peter, I, I don't know. He deserves an introduction. Ali uh, has been on the show. We people know who he is. Uh, you know, he's involved in the automotive industry. He does all kinds of cool autonomous driving stuff. Has that really beautiful BMW 2002 that's fully built S14 Singer esque, and that most recently he safaried out his Ford Escort Mexico, which we'll get to. But um, this kind of ties into this whole off road adventure, right? Peter B has been on a few of our rallies. Peter Brown, and he has a 993 that I don't know if I want to call it safaried out, but it's it's got some dobbies on there. It's It's got a little bit of a lift, and um, it looks like it's perfect for this type of stuff. Can, can you tell us a bit about the car itself? Sure. Um, <clears throat> 95 uh, Porsche 911 um, that I've went down a deep rabbit hole of modifying. Um did some stuff myself, um, skid plate, uh, did the initial lift uh, with just the stock suspension. Um, but since then, upgraded to an MCS uh, custom-built coilover. Oh, great. Yeah, it's pretty legit. Um, <clears throat> I just got some braid wheels and some actual gravel uh, rubber on there, so that's fun to uh, start playing with. Um, other than that, uh, roof rack, just cosmetic stuff. Uh, recently stripped the interior just to lose lose a little bit of weight after all the weight I put onto it. Um, yeah, so it's it's always a work in progress. It's, it's crazy how heavy the rally wheels and tires are, right? Yeah, those tires alone. I mean, without a rim, you could sit on them, and they don't. You know, they don't even divot down. You know, oh, super, super stiff sidewalls. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, when we had Lee Keen on, we were talking about uh, he has KO2s on there, Brian, right? Is that what that was? Uh, yeah, I think that was. Or, it, or the yeah. most recent version iteration. Yes, KO2s, yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that that uh, we're nerding out on was the way that the tire it has a certain slip angle, but when you when the carcass starts to contort or when you catch on the side, the the shoulder has this tread that just kind of catches and straightens the car out. Um, so you got to drive on, I think, also KO2s, right? Or were those BFGs? I'm sorry, were those a um, uh, different brand? No, yeah, they were the KO2s. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have them aired up, like Lee said. Um, I was I was probably running 36 pounds instead of in the 40s. Um, so there's a lot of squishy sidewall. Um, kind of felt like you were sliding before you were actually sliding just because of that compression of that sidewall. Um, but the new tires... They don't do that as much, but you're also not feeling it as much in the gravel. That's pretty wild. So, yeah, I was, I'm curious to see that difference, right, with a full dedicated gravel tire, especially with, with a super hard sidewall like that. So you're saying um, you, there's just less play in the car, which is expected, but um, what kind of like what kind of control do you have as the car starts to slip and, and go sideways? Is it Or is it more difficult, really, to get it sideways? It's not, I mean, it's, everything is so, how do I say this? It's, you don't even have to be going too fast to get it sideways. Um, the, the biggest battle is understeer, I feel. Um, you'll, you'll start pushing through. In a 911 especially. In, in a 911, it's, it's really crazy. Because of the lack of weight up there. Yeah, there's just no, there's nothing up front to, yeah, keep, keep the grips for a turn in. Yeah, especially yeah. on a dirt road. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest hurdle for me right now. And it's the roads that we were on, I mean, they weren't 
super wide. I think where we took a couple of those little videos and pictures were the widest part, and that was two-lane at best. Um, so it's super narrow stuff. You aren't, you aren't getting, you know, it's not like a photo shoot or you're, you're super sideways out there. Um, you know, it's except for the ones that you posted. Is that- <laughs> well, yeah, I think Ali's a little, a little uh, more sideways than I got, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's, there's too much to lose to, to go fully crazy, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at least, at least me, I'm learning. Yeah, it was such an epic road. It was like, I mean, it had, it kind of had everything in like a really short period of time. So you didn't feel overwhelmed. Like you, you know, how some roads that are like super technical or a road that you haven't driven in a while or, or just don't know, you get into it. And it's, if it goes beyond half an hour or 45 minutes, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. Like I want to chill for a minute. That, that road is, I would say, I mean, it's maybe a little short, but it's also kind of the right length. And then to do that forward and back, it's just such a great little run. Switchbacks, like all dirt, switchbacks, long sweepers, long straights, um, all kinds of really fun elevation changes. Uh, you know, I think that would, that's one of those that I think we'll be going back to a few times. So what is, uh, you said perfect kind of length. What What is that in, in each direction? I think it's around 20 one way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, I mean, don't you agree, Ali? It was more than yeah. 15 miles. It's probably. Yeah. I think I didn't, I didn't have any telemetry or anything running on my dash, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's probably 20 ish miles. Um, and the nice thing is that there's everything. There's like these really rad sections of, of smooth, packed gravel with camber um going uphill which is just like this amazing kind of like feeling of you know as soon as you kind of pull out of that camber and the car gets light the rear end kicks out and it's just it's really really fun it's really fun that sounds right hey ali what um what convinced you to switch the your escort up to kind of rally slash um you know safari-ish yeah. build rather yeah. than like at first you, you had built it, it as safari or rally or whatever yeah whatever it is um at first you had built it as kind of like a uh you know a full street car yeah and then immediately after we did the coastal range rally you 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 changed directions with it i'm just wondering so a few things um happened kind of at once so first of all like every photo that I can think of iconic of the Mark one escort is, you know, one of the safari rally cars and those were all jacked up and they had, um, you know, they were running 13 inch tires uh, and wheels, but they, they really just, you know, that, that kind of like deep off-road look, uh, is what I really fell in love with originally with the Mark one. Um, and I did the road race, the street thing just out of convenience because I understand that domain very well um and so i could start there but then the escort is is such a crazy platform with parts availability that um i was able to basically switch the entire vehicle over with uh, not that many parts um over to a you know full wrc spec gravel suspension um and so you know it was easy enough to do that and i thought okay nobody's ever 
lifted an Escort and put 15-inch, like, knobby tires on it. Everybody's always done the 13s and the proper rally thing. But, you know, we're in California, close enough to this, like, L.A. thing that's happening with all the safari, everything. Um, and, you know, we're all, like, kind of suckers to Instagram. And we're like, okay, you know, let's just go a little bit too far with the tire size and a little bit too high with the lift. Um, still super functional. And I'm really, really impressed with the way that it turns in on the dirt. I can see why this thing is such a successful rally car. Um, I need to get more weight in the rear, uh, even if this thing only had 100 horsepower, which it has 300 horsepower, which is just stupid power. But um, it is so, so fun to drive and so predictable in the dirt. Um, and I have a lot more fun with it in the dirt than I do on the on the street. That's oh, cool. Yeah, it seemed like it was a handful on the street. Um, yeah. Also, I think you kind of like, I don't know, I kind of see it from the outside, like not really talking to you much about it, but I see you, you kind of built a uh, redundant, like the same car. I mean, not the same, but you built, you have your, oh, your killer dialed 2002, and then you built this, and you're kind of like, you're kind of building the same car a little bit, although, you know, obviously you had a a more modified motor in this and it's it's turbocharged and everything but you're kind of making probably a not as good street you know exactly twi rally car with the focus with the with the escort and it's kind of like it's kind of like not as good as your bmw so you're you're um 100 right yeah so, so basically that was the that was like the other add-on thing which was basically you know it's it's solving the same problem my 2002 is solving. And yes, it's a little bit more fast and it's a little bit more kind of like eye catching and crazy. But at the same time, like my 2002, I think for all of us, it's on like the edge of being too fast for the type of driving that we're doing. And the escort is definitely too, too fast. So, uh, you know, just go like full retort on the escort and then leave the 2002 as like the kind of like perfect ideal. Uh, rally car. Yeah, the Escort road rally. Like, the Escort, it's it's like crazy fast in like a crazy way too, because it's yeah. like a big turbo car and you know, kind of nothing, 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 like like spools yeah. up and just kind of no control. So that was another thing that um, you know, I was starting to research changing the final drive ratios to fix that. But then I, I thought, okay, well, I can kill a few birds with one stone. I'll just go with these giant tires. That actually got my gear ratios down. And so uh, the final drive now, like, it actually, that power actually feels good on that car. Nice, broad power band um, on the road, which is great. And so That's with, awesome. with, uh, with the tires, um, how, I, I, I have the same question. Um, I actually didn't see which tires you are on now, but... I'm curious to know how a gravel, a tarmac gravel, I'm sorry, a gravel rally tire performs on tarmac, right? Like what, what, what does it feel like? I mean, is, I, I imagine the compound's supposed to be somewhat soft still, right? But, or, or is it not? Maybe, I don't understand them. <laughs> um, I think Peter has at this point more experience driving proper gravel tires on the road than I do. Yeah, the the actual gravel tires aren't fun to drive on tarmac. Um, just with that asymmetric pattern, it kind of oh, like the car never wants to go straight. It just yeah. kind of squirms around. 
Um, but they are, they are pretty sticky. Uh, the ones I got are, are, I would call them a soft. I don't know the, the rating, like S six maybe. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. Actually like that, like, like a snow tire, right? A snow tire has a certain type of siping and like tread pattern, but it's yeah. also soft, but that, mm-hmm. that's a temperature thing. So I don't know. Like, I'm curious, I'm sure. Just so what I, indicated. Like so I did I, a, a range. I did a ton of research uh, to try to find the right tires for my car. And I went and looked at rally cross tires that are only available in Europe and some that are only available in Japan and like, the AO36s, I think I sent to you from, um, Pirelli or no, Yokohama, um, which are these really rad rally cross tires that are supposed to be for the gravel, but they have, uh, they're also built for transit stages and things like that on the highway. But what I ended up doing was I found these, um, heavy duty truck tires made by, um, our best friends at Michelin. Um, uh, and I love Michelin tires. I know I'm not trying to kiss anybody's ass, but, uh, these truck tires are, they're called extreme condition, um, light truck tires and they have sidewall ribbing, but the sidewall ribbing is not for like off-roading. It's for curb batches and it has, um, progressive, uh, tread blocks for highway driving. So it kind of oh, does that loading up thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it basically has everything that you could imagine for a compromised, you know, dual function tire, something you could drive on the highway for three hours and not have a problem. And then, um, and then take it off road and drive in the snow and the mud and the gravel, like whatever. And it does really, really well. And these things have a 45,000 mile treadwear warrant, which is crazy. Nice. And what was the name of the, the model tire? They're, they're called the Michelin, uh, Agilis Cross Tour, I think, uh, A-G-I-L-I-S or something. Um, I was on tire rack and these tires didn't pop up in that size. But then I saw a category that was called extreme condition tires. And then when I clicked that category, then these truck tires showed up in these Michelin Agilis truck tires were on there and they're like 130 bucks a piece that's not bad and so and and are you experimenting like just yourself or did you actually find other people using this for the same thing nobody i know is using these like the the, what everybody uses for entry level like rally cross tires is just snow tires like blizzax and things like that Mm. um and that's the kind of carrot that led me into finding these tires because I was looking at snow tires. Then I started looking at extreme condition snow tires that are kind of multi-purpose with um, summer and winter use. And that's where I found those tires. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, these things, I, I'm super happy with them so far. Um, and they're, they're, they're a great tire. They're stiff like a rally tire too. Thanks for yeah, uh, someone just chimed in. Peter uh, Bruno said Agilis Cross Climate is what they're called. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. And then uh, Cross Climate. We have some people chiming in saying congrats to Art on his new baby. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Congrats, Art. I'm awake. 
Yeah, this is the first podcast back, right? Yeah, I'm uh, surprised that you don't have giant bags under your eyes that I can see. They're there. That's why I'm, like, way back here, see? Or you have makeup, <laughs> makeup on there, maybe. To I, oh, yeah, it. I had my makeup, yeah, my makeup guy come in real yeah, quick. Yeah, you yeah. die. <laughs> Uh, I consider sure, having make my hair, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and of course he's he's living in my house too because that's, that's the way it works, right? You gotta have him full time yep. during the coronavirus. You can't go without your makeup guy. He's yeah, he's part of your inner circle. Yeah, so that's one pretty of the, good. One of the boys or girls, depending on how you want to put it. Um, do you guys want to answer a few questions from the old uh, Instagram? I do. Um, I did. I have one last question for Ali. I don't know. It might yeah. actually be someone asked it, but you said you had gravel spec suspension on your car now. Yep. Uh, so I'm curious how damping works for that surface, right? Because you're you're on a fluid surface. So like, what does yep. what does the gravel suspension do? How does it differ or different from a street so, suspension? Okay, so there's two parts of this. So there's um, and there completely different so there's the the suspension components control arms bushings all of that stuff and then there's the the damper that is designed for more kind of off-road right um i think so to put it super simply the damper that you designed for off-road the type of driving that we are doing or that i'm doing is very similar to what you would do for a road vehicle just with a different you you want it to be um just tuned differently but the structure of the damper is very similar um you'll have a little bit more droop or a lot more droop um longer uh tube and longer sha- uh, uh, shafts and stuff like that but uh, other than that it's it's relatively the same um the on my vehicle and it's the what the big difference is again it's it's in the suspension geometry and it's in the components. So, for example, um, the factory escort, the early factory escorts only had the lower control arms. They did, and they used the sway bar to act as kind of a pseudo drag link. So there's minimal control on the front wheels when you hit the brakes. The, the, yeah. the wheels will move back a little bit and bend the sway bar. So then um, you can do this uh, compression geometry or a tension geometry. And I ended up doing the tension geometry, which basically triangulates the lower control arm um, or the, the hub out into the frame rail, um, either ahead of the axle or behind the axle, depending on what your application is. And so, um, uh, so it's, it's basically just, you know, heavier duty hind joints, reinforced welds on everything, you know, bigger bolt sizes and, um, more steel when you kind of get to the to the gravel stuff and then of course more everything has to be accommodated for more travel that makes sense yeah because I, I i looked this up a while back because i just i could not find information anywhere and i'm like all right how like how does the damping change right that's one thing but i ended up finding a, a little kind of a not a tutorial but a walkthrough of a of a growly <laughs> growly damn <laughs> gravel rally suspension um that dirtfish yep. made on youtube and yep. it's exactly what you're describing. It's all about beefing up every component. So like, it looks the same. It's just like much, much bigger, like rod shaft on the, on the actual strut. Um, all of the wells are, 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 you know, heavier duty. The metal is thicker everywhere for those side impacts and those loads. Exactly. That you're gonna get. But, but I couldn't find anything on the tuning itself. I mean, I guess it sounds like it's pretty similar. It's just a matter it's, of. So that, yeah, know, I mean, so that, 
really the damper, the, the function of a damper in any system is there to put some controls and, and kind of filter everything. So um, essentially when, depending on what surface, so like when I used to build these group end dampers for Olin's um, for the Mitsubishi team, for the rally team, you know, they, they were exactly the same group end housings and valve sets and everything that I would use for the time attack car, but it was just a completely different configuration. So meaning if you ever look at a damper curve, it, you know, it goes up and then there's a kind of a bend and it, it knees over. It's called the, there's a little bit of a knee as it, as it kind of climbs over and you can, with the shims uh, and the valve bodies um, in the, the damper itself, you can control the angle of the uh, low speed, which would be in this section, and then the high speed, which would be in this section. Um, you can adjust these angles independently, and then you can adjust the sharpness of this inflection point with the preload in the shim stack. And so um, that's where you start getting these, like, uh, um, when you have this long travel, for example, you want to be able to, to maintain a low speed damping for longer periods of time um, versus where, where you, or shorter periods of time give, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, so you may change some of the, the preload settings or, or things like that. But the biggest thing that comes for any kind of off-road uh, is thermal management. That's why mm -hmm. every off-road damper has some kind of a remote reservoir. It has... Um, you know, you get a little bit better valve, um, valve control, but you get a lot more oil volume in there and you get less of a chance of cavitation. Um, and, and you can control that, that uh, oil pressure and temperature inside the damper much better. That makes sense. Cause it's, there's so much movement, right? Like it's nonstop. Right. Versus, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I don't know, Lane, did you have any, uh, I'm down to jump on questions. No, actually, there's one question that TSYS350 asks, and we kind of went over it a little bit, but uh, I don't know if Peter B can kind of expand on it a little more. He says, having driven a car on pavement with legit rally tires, I don't think uh, I, he could sacrifice the amount of road manners you lose. You have endless dirt roads with minimum um, tarmac to get there. So what do you think, uh, Peter? Would Would you take you're set up now on like a coastal range rally or a DWA rally <clears throat> with the, with the tires specifically. Um, yeah. I think I want to give it a shot. Um, okay. if they don't burn up <laughs> before that, yeah. I don't know the, the life of them. Um, they feel really soft and yeah. they might heat cycle out to turn into, you know, solid. I don't know. Is it kind of like running rain tires in the, in the dry maybe where you just ruin them by, by running them on asphalt? It might be. I I have no technical information on that. Uh, it, this is so, purely yeah. an experiment for me on it. Uh, um, a buddy of mine, Matt Bell, who uh, used to run World Challenge and all of this stuff, he was an instructor at the Audi school. He took his Evo out at Sonoma to do a demo lap, and he had uh, rally tire, gravel tires on it. And he said by the, you know, first half or, or – the um by the end of the first half of the lap the tires started to chunk Ouch. yeah he is a he is a professional driver driving the crap out of a car that he knows very well on a track that he knows probably better than anybody else in the world so that you know he's putting a lot of work into those tires but at the same time you know he came back with legit holes in the, the tread wow. where the tire chunked apart 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably not not a good idea to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What tire is it? Um, it is a DMAC. Uh, I think it's a two fifteen sixty five fifteen. Um, I, I want to say it's like a plus two or something. I, I'm not familiar with their line. And you picked them uh, up should... used too, right? Uh, they were just, they weren't used. They were just, uh, discontinued or okay. like, uh, too, probably too old for competition. Gotcha. But, yeah. So what, gravel what was... tires, there's always discontinued gravel tires because they change compounds and specs so often that a quote unquote discontinued tire is still good for a while for, for fun and use. Gotcha. Um, and so what was like the impetus for you to do that? It sounds like you actually did seek them out. Like, do you want to focus more on, I mean, or this might be a learning experience. Like, do you want to dedicate this car more just for the off-road stuff, or do you want to continue doing both? Um, Definitely both. Uh, You know, I love the rallies. Uh, I don't have to be the fastest guy out there. I mean, obviously I'm not. But, uh, yeah, if if I can get this set of of wheels and tires to be great for dirt, I mean, ultimately I want to do some rally cross. Um, Oh, there you go. You know, know, stage rally is never going to happen that's that's insane but um I, I would love to if there was some kind of club level doing that less you know less competitive but the price to to dive into stage rallies just makes it kind of out of reach um but yeah and you know there i love the way it looks too i'm not going to deny that some of it isn't looks um and i don't know it it was just always kind of a uh a goal to get it to that level. And yeah, I can only well try that. it. Like yeah, how about, how about airing up the KO2s and trying that, giving that a go again? Are you? Yeah. About I, I'm going to do that. I'm probably going to burn the KO2s up and <clears throat> unless it totally changes them, I probably won't go back to them. Uh, because I try these Michelins that I have are the same size. Well, so my, end game is to get my 17 uh inch oh. wheels back out and get some some good you know tarmac tires or at least decent yeah i'll lose a ton of weight with with the wheels and have a ton of fun on the rallies uh, can still do dirt i mean take, yeah. take paul kramer he's out there on yeah. uh summit tomos yeah and he he tears it up on both so, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and you yeah. have the you have the clearance right and that's like the big that's the big hurdle on most of the off-road sections that we have on the rallies. It's not, it not right. it's not necessarily a condition of the tarmac or the the gravel roads or anything like that. Cause they're not that hardcore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd probably yep. be pretty well off. This is this is definitely something. I mean, we would to take offline, but um, I'm really curious though. Like the more we've like looked into this, like this whole rally cross thing is such a huge like pain in the ass. Like because the biggest hurdle is, 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 is regionalization of the thing, right? It's like, it's, it's really trying to take it to different places where right now you have to travel so far to get to one and at least where we live. Right. And so does it make sense for us to look into this? Like, you know, I have, we have friends who put on auto crosses, like, can we put on these freaking rally crosses somewhere? Cause like, I mean, we all have cars that, I mean, we're not me personally, but like in our community that uh, people would like to use for this use case and, you know, you, you, I mean, it's obviously just a, a financial thing. You figure out the math, how many people want to participate. You get uh, some folks involved to build out a course and I, I, it seems feasible, right? Like, couldn't we do that? So yeah. a few of us, a few of us are talking about, we've already started to get ready to book uh, the Thunder Hill rally cross course. Um, 
for private use. It's not that expensive. And so very far still <laughs> it is very, very far. Um, the other place is uh, actually right outside of Sacramento near Folsom. There's a place called Prairie City um, Off-Road Park. Uh, and they actually have a couple of pretty cool sections and tracks and stuff that we could use. Um, but I mean, now that there are more of more of these vehicles around, it's absolutely going to start picking up momentum where you can't just use these as city cars, you know, like, uh, uh, Matt Vera, you know, says we need, we need places to take them. So, um, I think, it's it's inevitable it's got to happen so I'm yes yeah yeah because i'm picturing like literally like you were a mom and around on a construction site a few weeks ago right like to, so yeah. like, we could exactly. book a place that like it doesn't have to be an actual like course like we can make it ourselves like you know like Jim Connor style it's like all right like we can get someone who understands you know track uh, building a track layout and we can i know it's expensive to manipulate dirt but you know we could figure something out and like we sort of make it where it's like our thing and it doesn't have to be super professional just to get off the ground. And it's like, you make like a fun track or course, just like Lane used to do in his backyard with bicycles. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just out there having a good time. You have a course, it's you, you time it if you want and um, people can enjoy it. Um, I well, think that's what autocross is, right? It's just a parking lot. So it's kind of the yeah. same fundamentals as that. Right. Know, exactly. Thing. But just like there is some track design there. And so, you know, you kind of can do a little bit of that. We can talk to some folks and, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of want to look into it because it seems like there would be a wonder lot of interest. That, Lane, I wonder if that quarry we went to, if they would ever let anything like that. Oh, happen. yeah, that would be pretty awesome, huh? The one in that Scotts would be Valley. so rad. Yeah, Scotts Valley. Yeah. And it's huge, too. I mean, it's so much huge. Room. And there's like, there, you know, you don't, you're not going to get hurt there because you can't go that fast. No. And if you go off, you just go up a little bank of dirt or gravel. Soft. Mm, yeah gravel yeah, yeah yeah you really you really don't need much at all <laughs> it's like right i mean it's yeah it's just an open field basically is all you totally, need yeah that's fine yeah like even i was picturing like you know they, they demo uh, a property has been demoed down and you know you see these lots that are vacant they have a, a lease sign slapped on it it's just an empty dirt huge dirt space like you know i feel like just even coning out like autocross style, even if it's flat, you know, naturally there's going to be some divots and shit, but like, I think there's, that could be kind of fun. I mean, and, and it doesn't seem like it would be. Well, that that's what they, that's how the rally courses are like East coast. When you see, you know, you see all these people, rally, it's just like a big field basically. And they, they basically cone off, yeah, like essentially how many cone off a course, there? you know? Yeah. There's like oh. so many fields. Yeah. So many fields, yeah. man. <laughs> There's so many fields. fields so many places. Oh, oh my God. Ben Ruggett said he's down to do it in uh, one of his Genesis company cars. Ooh, oh, yeah. Know. Yes. You know. Although he's full of shit. So we all, we all know that. <laughs> Not. He's been promising <laughs> a lot of Genesis in our life. Yeah, dude. Well, that is, that is an approach that you can take. Uh, you can just get a straight up rental car from a rental agency and yeah. mob that. Well, you guys did it, right, Brian? Years yeah. ago. Yeah, 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 you did yeah. Rally cost in a Mustang rental car. Yeah. Disabled the uh, traffic control. And no, that. we didn't. We didn't know oh, how at did. the time. No, that was uh, when I did it for. Uh, that's when I did the same thing with a Mustang for drifting. Uh, um, okay. It took me thirty minutes of googling to find it out, but uh, but yeah, um, and you don't even and. That's kind of a fun thing too. It doesn't even, it almost doesn't matter what car you have. Actually, a Mustang was a terrible choice, uh, for that rallycross school. 
um, like any of the front wheel drive things that you would get, it would probably be better. Uh, and yeah, that's like, yeah, you could even do that up at Thunderhill. Yeah. It'd be fun. You know, if you don't, if you want to just like, uh, test the waters first, not necessarily take your, uh, back road carving machine out in the dirt, you know, you could just you know, pop a rental. Oh, I had a question about the road you guys were talking about, Ali and Peter, that, that 20 miles each way kind of road. Mm-hmm. So is that appropriate for, for like, say, one of our cars, or is it uh, a road where you need a little ground clearance and stuff, or you need uh, tires? It, it just all depends on did it rain, you know, recently? Because if it, if it did, it, it, it ruts out a little bit, um, especially going up the, the large grade that really ruts out, um, after rains, but the worst thing we saw were, you know, some washboard sections. Um, yeah. I think if it, if it's anything like it was when we went, it's no problem for any. Yeah. No. So like comparing it to like Parkfield grade or something, it's, uh, very smoother, similar, smoother. I think it's a little bit smoother. Yeah. It's a little, so what about the out and back though? We can't be, you can't run cars. You know, it's fine for two people to cruise up and then come back, but you can't do that with more than a couple. Oh, I'm not saying for a rally. I'm just saying, can, is, is it, a, oh, you yeah. know, are you able to pull it off? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great little bypass for a rally. Yeah. Any car that's not slammed could do it. Yeah. You know, or E30s, right? Cause so uh, would you say it's like, just an like Parkfield grade, something like that? That's what we just said, yeah. What was that? Oh, sorry, I was I was reading questions. Yeah, he was. All he was saying, he thought it was smoother than Parkfield. Um, oh, whoa! Yeah, okay. I mean, Parkfield has some areas where you kind of have to make some big aggressive turns to get around stuff, and you the know. washboarding, right? That's yeah, and washboarding is pretty bad. Yeah. Parkfield's always uh, it's a grade, right? So yeah. you're always going up or down. This has some more flatter. You know, smoother hills, some some flatter surfaces too. Um, yeah, so you're not way more fun. gravity or you know. This mm-hmm. is like getting way ahead of myself here, but like finding stuff like that. I don't know what the situation is there, like what type of road it is, who owns it, or whatever. But mm-hmm. you immediately start thinking, like that's our that's a stage rally, right? Like you could put on an event just on that road alone, or sections of it, right? And like do like a like ten mile, like split it in two or something. Um, as an event, like I've always wanted to do that with a lot of our roads around here, but they're tarmac, you know, they're like, do like a hill climb in some of these back roads. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's like three properties on it. You talk to the owners and like have them sign off or whatever. But I, I imagine like maybe there's a lot more freedom and, and, and ability to do that, uh, or Liberty with, with a dirt road, right? Like something like that. Um, I don't know, Brian might know better, but like it would be easier to actually say, Hey, let's section this off, go to the County or whoever owns it and, and try to permit it for like a timed trial event type of thing. Yeah. It, th- there aren't a ton of people out there. That's for sure. Um, we ran into too many vans that lost their way. Um, Whoa. Is it BLM or what, what is that out there? Um, no, it's not BLM. It's just, it's private. There's private property all right there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Minivans yeah. parked in the middle of a blind corner. Oh, Scott. Whoa. Damn. Cows. Cows all over the place. Uh-huh. Yeah. That just adds to the excitement, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, one of the uh, one of the things that goes through my head is, like, like one, you see the photos, and it's like, got to do that. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, what's the minimum I can do to get out there? But then one of the hitches that I always run into when I'm like rolling it through my mind is, um, it, you know, I've been out in desert stuff and everything and on rough roads. And it's like, you beat cars up pretty easily. Like, you know, there may be smooth sections, but there, you know, any of this washboarding stuff, like if you have a car that you care about in any way, it feels like, uh, you would pretty quickly just like turn the whole thing into a rattle machine. And, uh, unless you're very strict about keeping all windows up and everything closed, like you're just going to fill the thing with dust and it's going to be like, it it quickly degrades into like a dedicated, uh, kind of like shit car that's out there just for romping on. Not to mention, uh, you know, the stuff like, you know, when I'm chatting with you, Ali, it's like, you're going to wear out all the bushing super quick and details like that. And it, it almost points directly at, okay, this is fun, but if you really want to do it, uh, you probably want to buy a $1,500 car to experiment on these roads with rather than. Yeah. But the problem, the problem is the problem that we all have is that there aren't enough of these roads to make that kind of a dedication, even at 1500 bucks, because you're going to build that thing. And by the time we get to the road that we want to drive in that $1,500 beater, <laughs> yeah, like, You're are we going to make yeah. it? Yeah. 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 And so like, and that's okay, just a so function if, of if, where we live. Like we exactly. have to live in a spot where there's great driving roads, great exactly. paved driving roads. And exactly. a lot of the country, it's the opposite, right? It's like, all yeah. you have is this like random rallycross stuff that you can, you know, pick and choose whatever dirt road you want to go down. There's plenty of it out there. Imagine all the rad, like, desert roads there are in, like, Utah or Phoenix. Dude, or, Montana, if you're, Montana, like, in, if like, you're in Montana, like, every road right. is perfect for what you guys are talking about. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's so, just, like, which is, a beater car is the best car to have there, right? The right. one that you can yeah. just... And, and this is why the Swedes. This is why the Swedes and the, or just all the all the uh, Scandinavians are so good at driving. Is like they get all weather conditions and they have a shit ton of gravel and dirt roads, right? So they have a lot of car control knowledge early on. Like that's like built into your driving experience. Like you have to know how to control it in weather or loose surfaces and shit like that. But yeah, it is kind of a product of your of your environment, right? Um, you are. Yeah, I mean, I could tell you right now if I lived up here in Washington, where we're at right now. I would absolutely have like a dub. Of course, he he totally something like that, that is. He obviously said Subaru something though. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said a uh, a WRX or something probably. Yeah, we lost I don't know, you something there. to beat on. Yeah, okay. yeah. We we lost you, so we didn't hear what car you actually said. Uh, nine five nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Dude. That's that's great. Actually, um, going off the nine five nine thing, um, Peter Brunette had a question. He said, um, he there's a two thousand two nine eleven turbo six B manual sixty seven thousand miles with a salvage title from front end damage. Um, PPI shows everything was prepared properly. Uh, it's twenty nine thousand uh, bucks. Oh, asked man. if that's too good to pass up. That's it's too good to pass up. Uh, I, I mean, depends on ten grand more, and you're right. getting a legit one with a clean title, right? Yeah, yeah. Ten grand more, you're getting a legit one with a clean title. Fifteen grand more, you're getting one that you don't have to spend money on for a long time. Yeah, like like um, uh, John Bullock's. Yeah, but for thirty grand, 
996 turbo. I don't know. Good, right? That's really low miles. Good. If he plans to keep it for a while and just drive the shit out of it, then yeah. absolutely just get it. But if you plan to keep it and you're like, oh, this is a good place to park money for a year or two, then that's not a good place to park money for a year or two. Well, yeah, because might um, as well park it in a, in a good one without a salvage title, right? I mean, you're exactly. Gonna, it's going to go up in value. Yeah. You're going to buy this. I, I think, you're yeah. you're going to find a couple of thousand dollars worth of little things that need to be done. And then it's like while you're in there, it's going to grow to eight grand because by the time you do the GT2 clutch and uh, clutch accumulator delete and you do the coolant lines and you do all the belts and hoses while it's out and like all of that stuff, you're six or eight grand in. Plus if it pops out a second gear with the transmission, you have to rebuild the gearbox, all of that stuff. You're, you're in it like 10 grand more than, and that's like worst case scenario, but it's all worth it. If you're going to keep the car for a long time. Yeah. That yeah makes and sense. I think, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm totally on board with what you guys are saying, but I think that this thing will be like an Elise where it will stay flat. Like, I don't think it's going to lose value, but where, you know, I mean, sure, you're, as the mileage goes up, you would, but it, I think you drive it, you know, the, the curve is like the, you're adding mileage and the, the value is starting to, it'll eventually sort of match that, but it's still continuing to appreciate a little bit because it is a 996 turbo, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it's just going to totally tank, like, um, especially if it was done right and you have good records. Like, I, that's the biggest thing, right? It's like if you have documentation, like if it's photographic evidence, you know, I'm guessing that's what he has here of the re- of the rebuild or whatever. Like, yeah. here's the information. You present it as that. Like, that's where that's what's that's the biggest fear in buying a wrecked car, right? Like, if that's been eliminated, you know, that helps to 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 make it a, a more legitimate car. Versus yeah, and if they're they're addressing, in the PPI, if they're specifically looking for those things, right, they're looking for problems yeah. because of that. Um, he also says second gear was good, which is, an, you know, an issue with those 996 turbos that sure. drop out a second. Yeah. I would so just, I just right in case it, he yeah. buys it, in case he buys it, he should do that uh, detent upgrade um, before it starts to go bad. There's a little gotcha. Anyway, sorry, Art. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, no, that was it. I mean, basically, all I'm saying is I think, like, absolutely a clean title one uh, will appreciate at a much, much better rate. I think those cars are – they're still pretty soft, but we're going to continue to see those cars do really well. It's a it's a phenomenal package for, for the price. Yeah. It's a really good value. Um, yeah. Whereas this car will – you know, it'll kind of inch its way along, but it's not going to tank. And I, I think it, it'll – at the very – bare minimum will hold its value well it's always going to be below by you know that 15 percent or 20 percent less than a clean one right or whatever right it's just it's just that hurdle of the buy-in right yeah but the 20 at 29 grand you're paying like six years six year ago prices or something like or maybe more you know and that was probably as low as they got was probably like 20 what do you think ollie 27 to 29 yeah like yeah yeah they were i think six or eight years ago they were for a high mileage one like, too, though. Yeah, um, I bought mine in 2014. For it was wor- when I bought it, it was worth 35 grand, um, and it was like 60,000 miles or something. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I think six or eight years ago. But I think again, it really comes down to if you want to keep it or flip it. The longer you have it, the less the salvage title matters for the next buyer. Um, and I would I would and, argue that uh, if you're there's a chance that this could be the best possible 996 to buy in the United States right now, just because 
if you want to drive it hard, you're not going to have to yeah. worry about this thing. Yeah. And he says he plans on driving it hard. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, uh, you take an all wheel drive turbo Porsche that's got great handling characteristics and is like pretty reliable. Like you can, you can flog that thing basically, but a lot of people will not want to because they are an appreciating asset if you have a good one with a clean title. So you also just wrote in the, buy it and you can, you can not worry about it, which I mean, that's, there's huge value in that and you get to buy in cheaper. Yeah. And he just said that he, he would buy it as a forever car. There you go. Oh, dude, buy it. That's, yeah, that's, buy that's it. 100%. Awesome deal. Yeah. It's very, you're going to love that car. It's, and that, you know, yeah. the, the, um, it's so easy to just do a few little things to get it just right and like not go overboard, but still have like kind of a batshit crazy car, um, yeah. that you can daily drive every single day. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's such a great car. Ali, yeah, I'm, I'm just, sure you, yeah. I'm sure you've done research on it. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the rear-wheel drive conversions for those? You know, like taking up. Yeah. Because you know, I, I'm kind of impartial. Like it doesn't matter to me yeah. so much because, you know, I didn't really do many track days with mine. My buddy Calvin, um, he's a, a pro um, Formula D driver. He did the rear wheel drive conversion in his. Yeah. And he just did it so he can drift, but he actually, uh, converted it back just because he's, he said that other than just being able to kick the tail end out, he didn't see really any benefits. Cause they're rear, they're, rear bias anyways, right? Very, I mean, yeah. And they can lock up on the rear pretty much. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was like, I don't remember what turn it was. I think, um, one of the turns at Sonoma, I was able to, to step the rear end of the car out and not have a, you know, not have this weird controls issue. Like, yeah, like it lets you. Yeah. Yeah. It lets you. It's totally fine. And I think it's a really, the only, the only benefit I would ever see to, to doing a rear wheel drive conversion on 996 turbo, other than you just say, you know, you want to be drag racing or drifting or something is if you could fit the bigger fuel tank in there. Mm-hmm. No, it's it, remember the 996 non turbos had uh, like 26 gallon or 28 gallon fuel yeah. tank, and the turbos had like an 18 gallon fuel tank. It was much oh, smaller. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Well, and it's just to have that like basically you're like, oh, I have a budget GT2, right? And the GT2. Yeah, is, exactly. Exactly. I mean, although GT2s are kind of a bargain right now too, I think. So yeah, um, I think dude, those I are think. like the bargain if you if you have the money right now. I think. <sighs> Are they still, they're still like so 80 or a hundred, right? Dude, they're still right around a hundred. And that's like, they're yeah. so rare. Like the numbers and everything. It's like, it's crazy that nobody's like snatching them out. I know. Up. Yeah. I know. There cars. isn't like a Paul Walker just snatching them up like the M3 yeah. lightweights or something. Um, Navi, the thing is that like, go ahead. Oh, Navi gave us 20 bucks. I want to say. Hey, hey, yeah. sorry. What's the question? Um, you, you go straight to the front of the line. <laughs> uh, he didn't have a question. He said just because. What's uh, up, Ollie? Uh, Thanks, bud. Nice. We, we um, moved off of topics earlier. I don't know if yeah. you're trying to come up with a question there, Ollie, but we never covered um, both of your guys' uh, shock setup. Are they uh, like triple adjustable or single adjustable? What, what are they? Good, Peter. You have the fancy stuff. I have I have junk old race shocks on there that I will really? be building. I'll be building new dampers soon for it. I thought you just bought the whole gravel kit. That's not. I didn't get the I didn't get the dampers yet. No, you have to get it all separate. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you want? What's the MCS stuff then, Peter? 
double. Yeah, it's double adjustable. Which okay. So you don't have high speed and low speed. What's that? You don't have high speed and low speed damping. It's just damping and rebound. Correct. Yep. And then it's got little Depression and rebound. Yeah, damping and rebound. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, and then it's got like a standard spring, so it's easy to swap out whatever whatever weight you want. Right. Yeah. And so maybe we just started, give your best guess. Uh, the guys at uh, TC Design started with their best guess um, where it should be, and uh, you know springs are relatively cheap to mm-hmm. to change that if you need to. Yeah. Uh, but that stuff, I mean, that's so over my head. I would. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the, the, the minutia of all the adjustments, you know, I, I'm kind of just feeling it out. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You just get the, you get the parts that are going to like, you know, keep things reliable out there. You get to do a baseline and then you know that in the future you can mess with it as needed, but it's totally an experiment and yeah. these parts allow you to experiment. Yeah. And those guys are really cool too. I can email them, let them know what I'm feeling. Yeah. And they have all the resources to say, Oh right. yeah, you know, Dude, try yes, you know, yeah. X amount of clicks up or down here and there. Yeah. That's um, awesome. That's really helpful. Um, and, I have a good question on the Instagram if you don't have anything else, Brian. Well, just one more. So when you're, when they were picking the spring rate, did you tell them, they must have asked, like, is this going to be on a pavement car or off road? Like, what do you want to tune it for? Or did, it would, was there any conversation there to help them? pick the right thing for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, they knew it was for, uh, focusing on off-road. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you did. Cool. Cool. Um, I have a good, I have a question on Instagram from a guy, um, racing underscore Ali. Oh, yes. Um, he says question for the show. Um, long time listener, long time fan. Uh, would it be cool to take a Lotus seven Cataram? And rebody it into a 30s era GP car, kind of like what Ant Anstead is building on his car show with old school knockoffs, spoke wheels, etc. That seems so, like a pretty efficient way to get there. Uh, yeah, it seems pretty, yeah. like, and uh, and also like a very like a racy way, right? It's like that's a very capable car right. to start with. Where like Ant started with a. Uh, MGTC or TC or T, yeah, TD. like a piece of shit, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and then he got an alpha engine for it and all this stuff. But you can just get a Cataram and and build a body around it. That seems like a rad choice to me. Yeah, my mind goes to Bugatti like Type Twenty Four or something like that. Like that's like yeah, something guy. cool like an old Alpha or a Bugatti or something like that. Where the, the cool thing is, you can totally express yourself, and that platform is like the right geometry. Yeah. People are yeah, exactly. the and how does the how does the wheelbase line up to some of those other ones? You'd basically be making a mini version, right? Like a scale. No, you down. can stretch it. I mean, you could stretch it. Like the, no, the but those weren't that big, dude. Those those cars weren't that big. Yeah, but I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's not I like mean, some of them. Like, like, yeah, it's not like a Silver Arrows no. like crazy thing. You're, you're talking, you remember when we went to, uh, the prehistorics and we, we were chatting with the guys running Bugatti the blue guy, yeah. Bugatti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're, they're like all blue. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah that's color. There was that one. Is that the style that you guys are talking about, Art? That's what Art was I'm, talking I'm about. Thinking yeah. 30, I was thinking of okay, a 35. Yeah. yeah. yeah this is that, yeah, is that yeah, what yeah, you're thinking, uh, Ollie? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, interesting. It, it seems pretty rad. Yeah, I, I would well, be down with something. So like the that. one that Ant did, he basically he didn't do like a straight up replica, but he built a tribute to the first uh, Formula One winning uh, uh, Alfa Romeo race car, which is essentially you know that same era. And uh, they're pretty tight. I mean, they're pretty small. Think think of a think of a TC or or TD or whatever MG, and uh, how small they are. Yeah, but I I don't understand why. Like I gotta say, I love the show that it was what is it called? Ant Anstead, Master Mechanic, or whatever. Yeah. I love that show, and I love what he's doing, and I love everything about it. I think they're they're doing it right. But um, like that MG TD front end has like cast iron rotary dampers, like piston yeah. dampers. Has these like really weird like you know I don't he used the rear end from this other alpha. Why didn't he just use the front end from that like parts car alpha that he bought? Yeah. That's a good question. I know. I'm well, I mean, like you, like you're saying right now, it makes a lot of sense to start with something that's actually like capable and has good brakes and, and, uh, you know, all the right geometry to like handle well and stuff like that too. So Maybe yeah. that'll be a cool way to go about it. And that's a, it's still like, when did they start building Lotus Super 7s? I mean, that's a pretty vintage thing, totally. too. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you could, you could argue that if you're going to rebody the whole thing, then the underpinnings aren't going to be, uh, super important. Uh, and, and why would you hinder yourself with the weird rear suspension on one of those, right? Because mm-hmm. isn't the, yeah. the, the, an IRS, Caterham is kind of a rare thing, right? Like you could probably, if you're going to go this, I would route, do live axle. Very, I would do live axle, four link live axle. Well, but don't, don't they have like right? a Dion or something weird? That, yeah, there was that, but they, the Caterham, they, they don't have like a standard live axle, right? Well, no, I think they have. it's an optional thing. It's like you check a box, right? And you can get a Caterham with an IRS if you want it. Uh, but the thing is, I think you're probably mixing it up with like the, the actual Lotus 7s. Those did, did not come with, with an independent rear suspension. Yeah, like those are live axle with yeah. uh, um, either Wattslink or uh, um, Panhard Bar. And yeah. w- that's what I would do is I would buy like a cheap Caterham 7 kit. I would get some kind of a cool like cosworth engine or something i don't even know if i would even put a ford engine in it maybe some weird like tractor industrial tractor engine that has a ton of torque or something um but but at least you have like this kit or this platform that's designed to be like sleek and narrow and long front engine and like all the kind of fundamental architecture that these old gp cars that you know none of us will ever be able to afford have um But we can buy the spoke, the replica spoke wheels and the giant poker tires and like get all the slideys we want and have fun. Yeah. And we get to wear right. goggles. I want to see it. We get to get to wear goggles. Idea. It's like the best thing. Yeah. I like it. Uh, do you want me to uh, rattle some of these off on the instant lane? Yeah. Go for it. All righty. So <clears throat> we will start with this guy named Dont320. What's up, Dont? He just had a baby too. Congratulations. Oh, really? Congrats, dude. Being stuck in quarantine, I've been noticing an entire missing sector of rad era car literature. What rad drivers, companies, or events do you wish were better covered or written about? Minus one for a biography on DeLorean. And this hashtag by 
read, I mean listen, hashtag audiobook. Uh, he's claiming that rat era, that there isn't a lot of rat era literature out there. I don't know if that's true. Like, um, like I, pretty much any, any motorsport of the era, like whether it be, you know, rally, whether it be Formula One, whether it be touring car, whether it be the indiv- individual drivers, I feel they, they all have been covered, right? Like, yeah, I did, I just rewatched Senna the other day. I mean, that's cool. That's, that's that whole era. And there's so many books on, I mean, Santa, for example, I've, I've read four books on Santa alone. Like, and there's so many on just Santa and his rivalry with Prost or what he's done. Like there's every single driver I feel like has, has a, a book out there. That's a good place to start. Cause the cool thing about the driver biographies that I've noticed is that obviously you get the story about them. Like, you know, you get their background and their, their history and all that and their lead up to the formula one drive, but you're also seeing their perspective of Formula One at that era. So you're, you're seeing their interactions with, you know, all of the different uh, people that race, they raced against all of the team managers, all of the different teams, the cars, all that. So it's super rad. Like it's a cool place to be, right? Cause you basically get inside Formula One um, in through, through this individual. Right. Um, I mean, that's just this particular sport. But. Well, I also, I, I, uh, I watched that documentary you told me about art. Um, ah, shit. What's the guy's name? The, oh, the Tommy like, Byrne. Tommy Byrne. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Crash Byrne? and Burn. Crash and Burn. Yeah. yeah. So our art had, art had talked about a documentary about him where he was supposedly, you know, better than Senna, and he just didn't have the the money because Senna was a rich kid and everything. Um, and uh, that was a pretty interesting documentary of of that era as well. You know, late eighties or mid, actually early eighties through the nineties, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, but I um, that was I I kept mention, uh meaning to bring that watching that documentary up. You can totally see why he didn't make it too. It's one of those things. Yeah, like, I just like, dude, it, dude, he he's just like he's just one of those guys, you know. It's like he also didn't have this like he didn't have that like go get it like like pursuit like he didn't want to keep pursuing it. He gave up basically and came to the states. And all these you know talking heads are like, well, like he gave up. Like if he would have kept stayed around you know, gave it more than a year, he would have been on the team. Like he had too much talent to not be an F1 driver, basically. It was like, right. it was but a it, pretty it was interesting. A personality thing, right? yeah. yeah. It was a pretty interesting doc. Um, you feel for the guy. Cause he's just like, he's kind of like a, uh, he's kind of like a fuck up in a way, you know, he's yeah, for sure. Kinda, you yeah. know, he was a, he was an alcoholic and all this stuff too. So there's a lot going against him, but yeah, I just yeah, want to sure. mention that I saw that and that, definitely fits in with this question totally. so, so i don't know are you're saying that there's all sorts of literature but um i feel like if you for the 80s and 90s if you want to learn about nascar there's like so much there uh if you want to learn about rally there's a ton there wrc but um i feel like and and in both of those cases i think there's like names almost like household names basically that you would recognize some of these yeah. personalities but I know nothing about like British touring car championship. I don't know anything about like the stuff that the touring car stuff that was going on in Japan during those years. And both of those are like, so up our alley. Like we should know yep. the drivers there. Right. And, uh, uh, the DTM, like 
that, those are like the cars that we love. Like, how do we not, how are there not household names that we know about, even though they're German or whatever, right? Um, yeah. like, I, I, I feel like there's probably a huge gap right there. And maybe they're just not, maybe the books aren't translated for us or something, but uh, I, I can see what Don, uh, Dante yeah, there, is talking about. There, there also isn't a lot of, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's footage, but there isn't a lot of like films made about that era. You know, that yeah, like what's the, well, that's how we digest stuff. It's like, you got to have the easy or I don't know. Yeah. There's got to be stories like what's the Ford versus Cobra or, you know, like the Carol Shelby story. Like there's got to be some of like, we've heard that one a million times. Like, what are the DTM versions of that? Like, I want to read that. They're, they're so shitty, though, dude. They're like so minor, right? Because like, I don't know, dude. There isn't like there's the YouTube videos which are great. Like, no, I'm saying cool racing. No, stuff. I'm saying the the stories are probably worthwhile. We just don't have them. Oh yeah, we don't have the video. You're saying we're yeah, both yeah. saying the same thing. I think. Yeah, yeah. The stories are probably there, but we don't have the videos or the or the yeah. I don't. Or, I, yeah, I, the thing that that's really helpful, and I know Lane has done this too, is you get the year in review um, for these particular seasons, and then you get to know the the characters, right? Like you yeah. know, uh, you know, especially DTM stuff. It's that's all on YouTube. You, know, you can find almost everything, um, even Australian V8 supercar stuff, which is like rad yeah. in that generation. Yeah, we had period right? commercials too, which is rad. Yeah, it's so rad. Um, I mean, that's different, right? I mean, YouTube is 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 a different way to consume this stuff, um, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty well documented and, and, and he mentions brands and stuff like that. Like think about like talking about Peter V's 993. I mean, shit, what about, um, are you listening? You know, like that's, that's very specific, right? That's very, yeah, that's portion that's specific, just marketing. I mean, that's just, but what about like, I think what great, Brian may be talking stuff. about is, is kind of like, um, like I want to hear the behind the scenes story of the, Audi Trans Am car and how yeah. that came about. Right. That's, yeah. That's on, on and then like, I've seen that. Wait, there is like oh, a, really? but there's a doc yeah. about it or? I can't remember if it's a doc. I'm pretty sure, actually it is a doc. I'm pretty I mean, sure it is a doc. Plenty I've of people, it. plenty of people, like, okay, have you guys seen the like 20 minute, 30 minute video on the CLK GTR that Mercedes put out like no. in 1996? So. Okay, I have it, not joking, I got it from Mercedes Benz as a press video during the FIA GT race at Laguna, they were like handing them out in the pits. So I have it on VHS and I think it's on YouTube somewhere, but I think so the video is called a star is born and it talks about the development of the CLK GTR. Um, and so these documents do, or these documentaries do exist. And that one was put out by Mercedes. Yeah. Um, but there just isn't a place for them. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. And, and usually it's on Duke video and then also um duke video has a huge youtube channel by the way yeah uh, i was mentioning and, them ollie i'm glad you i'm glad you brought yeah. that up um and then goodwood the goodwood archives you're a goodwood um uh whatever associate member or something like that yeah, like i, I got, am i got suckered in yep <laughs> yeah i did it too and but the nice thing is like you can go on their archive and they have freaking huge archive of videos and documents and information and all of that, that stuff. So it's there. It's just not, That's you cool. know, it's not romanticized. Like a lot of the other stuff is. Yeah. Like, what we need is we need the Hollywood versions of this stuff, which we get <laughs> with some of these other, uh, you know, these other races, uh, or, or, um, it's the theories. big, it's but the we need, big it's, stuff, right? The well-known stuff, you know. Like, well, I mean, that's how that. you make it well-known, right? But you need yeah, a Hollywood but, version. So, like, 
California has to care. And then they make a Hollywood version that tugs on your heartstrings in certain ways that not a, that a year in review typically won't. Right. Like, you, you know what I'm surprised the there is development. I'm surprised that, um, there isn't that documentary about how the 917 killed Can Am. Mm, yeah. You know, like, cause we got the, Donahue's in there, right? American yeah. hero stuff. Yeah. All like, that stuff. Yeah. There's so many cool. Dude, there things. needs to be a Mark Donahue biography. There probably is. Hollywoodized. Oh, Hollywood. Oh, it's like a movie. Like a movie. Cause that guy yeah. was wow. <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, there's so many cool stories that like, how about just um, like Dante suggests like AMG, you know, the rise of AMG and yeah. how they, they like splitting off into their own brand and everything like pre-merger and then post-merger and all that stuff. Like super, I mean, I'm sure these are all interesting stories that all we get is the Ford versus, you know, Ferrari thing over and over, but there is way more out there than that. And yeah. the thing is but that the, like the customer base, like, if somebody yeah. says Ferrari, like sixty percent of the people in the room will start listening, or Ford, and Carol Shelby, yeah. and all those things, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. But if we say like AMG, like, or how did Alpina, like, when did Alpina go from like full racing stuff to like corporate, like, yeah. whatever? Like, who? Ca- like, nobody cares. No, I know. There's a there's a small s- segment of people that you know would it would sell out a movie theater one night. Yeah, in San exactly. Francisco, and then yeah. it would go straight to DVD, or you know, whatever, and it would, it would not do that well. But people would love it. Um, the yep. people that that love to consume that stuff would love it. But you know, it's yeah, not very marketable. Yeah, we and they're watching it every night. The same exactly. thing over, like the original story of Schnitzer or like yeah, whatever, yeah. like Metzger. Like, tell me everything about Metzger. How do you? Yeah, I don't. With, yeah, like, exactly. Tell me everything. That should be the title of the movie. Tell me everything else. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's gonna happen. I have a feeling that's gonna happen. I can totally see Porsche funding that. You know, like it's he was just too significant for them to pass that up. Um, especially just how uh, the amount of like press that the, uh, his passing has gotten and everything. So um, I'm. I mean, I'm how good would a Zwart documentary do? A, a Zwart. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like if so somebody did a document, yeah. if somebody did yeah. a documentary about Zwart and like yeah, for sure. all of the clips of everything that he's made and like all this stuff, and yeah, everybody really knows cool. his story, so everybody we, would go see it. We like, I think Brian, you were there, right, when we saw Zwart talk at uh, Stanford, the Revs mm-hmm. Institute. Mm-hmm. That uh, Zwart did a, a talk, and he played a lot of his commercials and stuff, and that was kind of like watching a documentary in a way. Because it's That's him, cool. you know, his voiceover and then playing us the commercials. And then I did this and, and playing it and kind of talking about how he did it. Right. Um, and imagine that over his whole career would be really cool. Yeah. Naveen says Zwart by Zwart. You got to uh, no. your field work. Zwart not by Zwart. Not yeah, by it's Zwart. Gotta be, it's got to be someone else. Yeah. All right. We've got to, let's move on. All right. Pair of turbos and clutches. Question oh, I love this question. Guests. Have either of you been to Dirtfish? Would you recommend the experience hash, uh, sport slash apparel? <laughs> you know, this is coming. <laughs> you got to get the apparel first. Yeah. Oh, geez. Buy all the apparel, all the stickers. Uh, I thought okay, it was is great. Is that inside joke here that I'm not aware Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, um, Peter B. did Dirtfish, and... Um, yeah. He has a dirtfish sticker on his car, and then he 
at some point he was on a rally and wearing a shirt too, maybe or something. Yeah, it was and funny. <laughs> so the joke is like, did you do Durbin? Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Have either of you been Durbin, yeah. Um So how was I, it? I, I've been I've been a dirtfish. I, I didn't. We didn't take a class, but yeah, that doesn't there. count. That doesn't <laughs> count. It's a little different. No, no, no. You got to be I behind was, the wheel. It's so different. And did you do it all? You done it? Yeah, I've done it. It's oh dang. I did the um, all wheel drive class. And I actually, during my trip up here in Washington, I'm still trying to get a hold of them to see if they'll let me do a rear wheel drive class while I'm up here, but they're closed right now. Mm-hmm. And Peter so and I have been, it was amazing. I mean, Peter, if you, I don't know if you want to, you did the three day class, right? Yeah, I did three day rear wheel. Um, if you can save up to do it or figure out a way to do it, it's amazing. You know, you're, you, you forget learning, you know, you learn so much, but forget that. It's just so much fun. Um, it's insane. It's like, I I can't even explain how much fun it is. As soon as you become comfortable, I don't know about you, Peter, but like for the first, like, you know, hour in the car, I'm not like super comfortable because the cars make all kinds of noises and you're like, Oh, that doesn't sound right. But you got to listen to the instructor and he tells you to push through it. And by the time, like once you start you know, exploring the the grounds and getting comfortable in the vehicles and starting to push yourself. Like, it's not about, can I do this? It's now you get to the point to where like, how can I do it better and better and better? Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it is one of the most fun driving experiences I've ever had in my life. So is this the truth that you go to Dirtfish and then roughly three to five years later, you're going to own a car with rally tires? Oh, yeah. Oh, Every, it happens to everybody? It. Awesome. That's a typical trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, a couple questions. One, um, what, is there anything, is there any like prep that you guys would recommend ahead of time to be able to make sure that you're making the most of your time there? No, I worried about that specifically, uh, before I went. And honestly, you can go in knowing nothing about it. Uh, As long as you're open to learning and not if, the worst thing is having the ego, like I know it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are those people there uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my class. There was some of those people and they had the, the, mm-hmm. the worst time, you know, everybody else had a great time, even though they started at a, you know, a, a lower threshold of knowing what to do. Um, yeah. You don't, the you only don't advice I would give is bring, bring shoes. You you're okay with getting muddy. And bring a change of clothes for the end of the day and just <laughs> wow you didn't get money huh yeah and then peter cavallari says buying apparel in advance is recommended <laughs> oh, there you go. that's a good idea you want to show up yeah, yeah. Here. you want to be that guy so um uh, ali i'm guessing you too. drove a wrx and peter you drove yeah. uh brz's or you know yep cool yeah i love that that car was awesome it was super well balanced yeah uh i didn't care about sounding like it was breaking. Ali had a little more compassion for it, but uh, yeah. it um, manual brakes. So that's really cool too. It gives you a lot more to play with to figure it out. Um, and rear yeah, wheel. I forgot they cut the brakes. What's that? They cut, forgot the, they cut the brakes. Yeah. yeah it, it, you, you have, you know, when you step on your yeah. brakes with your left foot, you, you know, slam forward in a normal power, you know, power assist, whatever brake system, but that you can learn it a lot better. Yeah. Um, so did, um, did it make you want a BRZ or FRS or were you kind of indifferent? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, yes and no. Uh, I wanted to make mine into something to do that. So I was already kind of committed. Um, yeah. but yeah, if, if you had one or it's a cheaper way to get into that, um, I think they're a great option and they don't do a ton different to them. They put, I think they upgrade the, the dampers, but the control arms, all that stuff, they went through it there. It's pretty much stock. Um, but it's stripped and reinforced in a couple areas, but all stuff you can do, uh, on a, on a way cheaper, uh, budget. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, what's the minimum time that you guys would recommend going? Cause they have the different classes. They probably even have a single day class, but like you said, Ali, it's like you, you spend the first hour. I don't know how many hours you actually get in the day driving, but you spend the first hour kind of getting used to it. And it seems like it would be a drag to bail after the first day, like right when you're getting into the groove, right? If you're going to spend all the uh, expense to get up there, you might as well take advantage, you know, get get some immersion in it, right? I mean, if you could do the three-day, it's great. At the very least, do a full day. Oh, they have less than a full day? They have half days. Oh, dang. I think yeah. less than three days, like, you know, you're just going to get addicted and, and wish you did. Exactly. More. Yeah, I totally, I did a one day and I just totally said, like, I have to come back. Cause yeah. you leave there just as you start getting comfortable with your, like, driving and all of that stuff. Yeah. You need yeah. to leave, like, when your brain is, like, totally fried from doing it for three days. And, and so, yeah. just so we can go through some other questions here. Um, I imagine that, like, the, the three day, the two day, all of these different classes, like, if you go to the website, they actually list out what you experience at each of these events, right? Like, or each day mm-hmm. and how they break yeah. it out. Yeah. And they're Check super helpful, too. They answer emails. They're, it's, it's a cool group up there. Yeah. They're super cool people. Uh, Kurt K. Photo, with F1 running the Halo and IndyCar running the Aero screen, is there any point left to open cockpit, open wheel racing besides hanging onto the tradition? It's a good question. Yeah, dude, the Indy cars look horrible. Have you seen them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, it's... I'm kind of used to the Halo. Yeah, the Halo doesn't bother me. I really want to be able to see the driver. That's the whole thing, right? Like, it's it's part of that experience. Of, see their uh, helmet and everything? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... It, I, it obviously around. was way cooler when they were more exposed. You know, and actually you can see them wheeling around and shit in there. That was so rad. Especially if you're at an event, right? Like, you can... Yeah. Because it's... And so I remember, like, you know, you're, if you're standing up against the wall, right, at a Formula One race, like, there is your hero right there. He's coming right at you. You're, like, 10 feet Art's, away. Art's him. complaining about halos, and Warren's complaining about leather helmets, like, going to full face helmets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's old, super old school. He, yeah. He's like, dude, when they, like, when they started doing scarves, that was too much coverage. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Everybody's yeah, got a complaint. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys think though? I mean, is it I don't like, know. I'm trying to it? think about it. Like, what are the benefits of not having a, a roof besides just the aesthetic? Um, yeah, basically the aesthetic, right? I guess I getting in the car you, you can extract to make heat, it way you, bigger. You can extract heat out of the vehicle. So there's all kinds of safety implications with being able to extract the person out mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and then also getting the heat out. Anytime you enclose the cockpit, you have to start adding things like air conditioning. All the modern race cars have air conditioning. Um, so you, you cup add holders. actually you know, cup holders, all of that. Indy cars, Indy cars have cup holders. The F1 cars don't. 
Yeah, it but seems I mean, like you'd have to make the cockpit quite a bit lot bigger, and then you'd have to have like some kind of roof, and it would make it tall, and uh, you'd have to make the the actual car a, a bit bigger to for a person to get in the car with a fixed roof, right? Yeah. So well, unless it's detachable, right? Like it's like I mean, I guess if, it, but then it's like it, how do you get out? It's actually not many. There's not much aerodynamic um, efficiency to be had because. Basically, the way they, they have it so with the driver so low, with the little tiny uh, windshield, you know, that little one-inch strip windshield that goes across the yeah. front of the cockpit, that the air, you know, that, that the tip, the top of their helmet is now part of the kind of airflow. It's part of the arrow, yeah, where they sit. Yeah. So they would have to actually redesign, you know, the, the entire arrow of, you know, of the vehicle to to do an enclosed cockpit and right. just I don't think anybody wants to do it. Right. And I, I I mean my short answer is like no like let's let's keep it as long as possible. I I, I mean bring back the leather cool, helmets but, and goggles. But yeah. I do like to be able I like to see the helmet. It's it's part of the the whole vibe of the of, of the experience, right? Of the of the of what do you call it? I don't know. The racing. And being able to see the driver and their personality expressed through their helmet is like and when you can't see them in there is, is kind of a big bonus, right? Moving around. Um, I'll go on record saying that I really don't care for open wheel racing and have no opinion on it. I don't, I don't care about yeah. those cars. I kind of agree. Sure. So you could lose it, I guess. Uh, ben Roger, you're buying a convertible, but it has to cost over $200,000 and your wife must enjoy being driven to dinner in it. Choices. Roadster. Done. Who, wait, it has over to wait, new car or old car? Yeah, what's no it? criteria. Dude, I mean, fuck. Like, yeah, 250 GT California. I mean, 300 SL Roadster. Yeah, 300 yeah, SL go Classic. Roadster. I yeah. mean, dude. Brian's going to go NA Miata. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to go ZR None. With gold, <laughs> gold foil under the hood. Peter, what do you, what say, what say you? Uh, I'm out of my league on this. I have no idea. No, but you could go classics. All the classics yeah. are, are, uh, dude, you can go with a new Lamborghini Huracan. If I was going to get a convertible, I wouldn't spend that much. I'd get a 964. No, oh, you have to spend over 200 grand. Okay. We'll make it easy for you. I get a 964 speedster. Done. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Rad. Really? Yeah, that that yeah. expensive? Yeah. yeah if he wants like, a 964. Low miles. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That'd be, yeah, that'd be awesome. What about a, would you rather have that than or than an OG Speedster? Oh yeah, how about a fifty-five Porsche OG Speedster 30, for to take your wife out? That's not a very yeah, comfortable dude. car. She oh come on, come on. <laughs> you got that's the, wrong the wife, whole bro. thing. That's I think that he's implying a nice classy thing to go to dinner in. Like, but this I, is like whether or not you care, like your wife cares or not too. Like, my wife cares. It's, like it's my yeah. anniversary right now. Like I don't, you know, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a true story. Exactly. Um, I'm going XKSS. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. That's a full-on race car, by the way. It's okay. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, my wife drove ZR None one time, so oh, I think right. well, everything's right. like Everything's acceptable <laughs> after that, right? Yeah, pretty much. MGTC she, or whatever that was. She didn't just terribly. ride in it. She drove she's, it. She's, she's like... This is, well, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't ride in it because there was no passenger seatbelt. So you had to only driving was the only option. Wow. But on that, on that note, um, I think we should probably wrap this up. Want to wrap it up? Yeah. I think Art has a hard out. Ali has an out. So yeah. 
wrap up that heart out. Time to wrap it up, dude. Do you have one more question, Art? Yeah, let's, let's see if we can throw another one in here. Uh, while you're while you're looking, I don't know, you know, just keep scanning, Art. But I got it. I got it. Go for it. Keep reading or keep talking. <laughs> um, just such a big topic. This dirt stuff. What you guys are doing off road. I feel like we could really dive in. I mean, Ollie, maybe I should just publicly apologize for all the text messages I've been sending you recently. I love it, dude. (laughs) I love it. But we're like, you know, there's so many, it's just a completely different playing field and there are so many aspects to it. And, uh, I mean, I think uh, it's just so like, it's, it's, it's so new and cool, but it's also very familiar. And so it's like, Oh, I can it's I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. There's a there's a whole thing where it, you can go really deep on this stuff and the the proper equipment is insanely expensive. And then on the other hand of it, you get uh Mountain Roo like these Subaru clubs that are cruising around and they're brand new Subarus with tiny lifts doing some of this like the more rock crawly version. You get the Gambler 500 people just taking out total trash and having a super amount of fun and sure you don't have the triple adjustable shocks and maybe you're blowing out your bill scenes after one event, but at the same time, your bill scenes are only 90 bucks a pop for your Toyota Corolla and you're yeah. probably going to be fine. Right. <laughs> um, I think those are probably like so KYBs or something for a Corolla. Yeah, probably probably Monroe's, right? yeah, Monroe's, Monroe's, yeah. And, they're, and they're actually only like $26 a piece. So you're still, right. right. And yeah. so like, there's like a, Walmart, discussions ensue right like how do you like what what's the best car like you could do this cheap route I mean, so there's just so much fun stuff so this Proud is a big. huge rabbit hole right like right rabbit hole is a good way to describe it, it actually yeah it depends on your application like I, I don't i don't know i don't have time to go through it but um, no, we, we should probably do it in the future uh but there's like there's rally there's overlanding there's off-roading there's this thing that i'm you know peter and i are kind of doing where it's not quite rally it's not overlanding it's just kind of getting out in the dirt and having fun like there are all these different aspects and you can kind of and they're all so different as you start getting closer and closer to the details mm-hmm. yeah so so that we'll have to revisit that as a whole episode, I think, right? You can bring, I think uh, uh, Brian and Ali could have like a 24-hour podcast about it or something. That, that, that's I want to squeeze in a big, big fat flips question in here real quick. Uh, looking for a new automotive experience that will complement the Focus RS. And I'll save you uh, some time. And he basically says he's had a lot of JDM shit. He feels like something German or European would be more interesting. Budget 10 to 15K. Case, I thought about a K sports car. Yeah, that's cool. But he doesn't want to, he, he doesn't want to go down to Jamie. I know, but I just appreciate him bringing that up. That's interesting. Uh, so 10 to 15 K. 15. And he wants a V8 flat six, different type, different type of experience. Can he get a first gen golf R or maybe even R32? Yeah, but that's similar. To too, close, too close to yeah. the RS. Too close to the RS. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go like polar up. Op- you want to go opposite of that, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to go full. So he's got the rally vibe with the RS. And full it's a turbo. Vibe. So you probably want an NA. And something for the, NA. And for those really, who are listening and don't know his car specifically, you know, there's a different ways you can build your Focus RS. He's gone full rally where he's got like mud flaps and. You know, he's not lowered. He's oh, got, yeah. He's got uh, the, the, heavy the lights on the hood and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, it would be sports car. Lightweight sports car sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah. Match with V8. But well, I mean, I guess you could go. That could be the other, the opposite though, Brian. It's like an uh, NM5 or something with a V8, right? That's like yeah. It's or those both. Yeah. yeah, those both would complement that. Yeah, or you go true. super lightweight, like a um, AutoZam AZ1, you know, AZ1 um, would be a rad little K car. Oh, I think he should build car. a, he should do, do a K swap E30. Something really yeah, be great. Like we're, we're kind of a broken mm-hmm. record on that topic, but yeah. 10 to 15, you can do yeah. it. And that would be, you know, build it to your, suit your taste. You uh, would rather have a K swap E30 than a S50 E30 for the same price. Yeah. With a BAR, yes. with a bar sticker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, that, outside of that, no question K swap. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that's, that's something. No, I mean, that's still an option do, for him. You could still do, get, you could Art, you had an S50 M3, right? Yeah. 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 It's fine. I mean, it's, 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 it's a cool setup, but I mean, it's not, it's nowhere near as, as cool as I think a K swap E30 would be. Like, you know, you're adding 100, 100 more horsepower. I mean, it's like you're not 100, sorry, not the S50, but um, 50 more horsepower. 50 more horsepower and uh, less weight. And way less weight, and also the weight distribution is totally different. Like, I mean, it just seems like you can get a pretty package. decent. You can get a pretty decent E46 M3 for that much money. Yeah, yeah can yeah. You can also or, get a good E36 M3 for that money, or the best, like a really good E36 M3 for that money. Yeah, yeah. and that would be that would be a completely different thing than his Focus RS. That's that's a pretty good choice, actually. Yep. Yeah, that is, it's, it's the easy choice though. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I would go totally opposite. I like 928. Try to find a manual 928. Like v, he wants V8. Talk about a Teutonic, like super well built, rad driving car. And like, it's so opposite from like what he has. It's more GT, but Ooh, it's still. Can you get an e, E24 M6? Hmm, no. Not that cheap. I don't think I don't right. know what that is. You can get a 635 CSI, a nice yeah. one. Yeah. That'd be right. That'd be cool. That's along the same lines as like a 928, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Five, 560 SEC, yeah. um, 928, you know, 635. What about a really nice, and I, talk about a good place to park money, a really nice E28 535 IS. That yeah. would be a nice one as well. Yeah. And that's, that's, a great, that's a great driving car. I don't think you can get one for that cheap, though. Yeah, you can. Yeah, oh, you, can. Yeah, you can. A 535? Yeah, not, yeah. Not on M5. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they've been, right. I mean, yeah, they've been in like the five to seven range for a long time. <laughs> so you could easily get a 15 grand one. Yeah. No, I think those are all good choices. I'm trying to think of something like super light. Um, what about 914, Lane? Can you get a 914 for 15K? Yeah, you can get a 914. That would be really cool. That would be a cool compliment to that car for sure. Because you have like everything opposite, right? You have a. Yeah. Mid-engine, rear-wheel drive. Two-seater. Two-seater, removable top. Flat four. And German, and it's flat engine. Yeah, that'd be a cool one. You can get a pretty good one for 15K. You're definitely top of budget for a good one, though. For which yeah. one? What car? Sorry, I was a big A 914. 914. Oh, yeah. 914 would be rad. Yeah. Totally different. Yep. Um... But yeah, I keep going to like, I keep thinking like that the auto would be a good compliment, fif- but it's just 10 to 15 you know? is a rad price range for, uh, German cars right now. Like you, you yeah. have a lot of options on cool stuff. Can you get a boxer? 
Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah, dude. Definitely. You get three yeah. boxers. Yeah, 987 point. Uh, what are point twos at? 987 point twos. Oh, I can't imagine they're that cheap. Like really? around, yeah, they're probably like still 25 or something, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of cool shit, though. Yeah. I like the, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. You could even get a 2002. Yeah. Yeah, How about, but, uh, I don't know. How about an S2000? I mean, it's Japanese, but that's a that'd be a cool car to compliment. That's a cute killer compliment. Yeah, killer I would option. I would love that. I think that's a great combination. The yeah. RS and the S2000, like mm-hmm. kind of polar opposites in the way the engine behaves too, and yep. you know, and the motor and that car, dude. Like, I don't think it's near popped yet. I'm surprised that those things haven't gone crazy. Yeah, they're the so cheap. Are, I mean, yeah. the nice ones are money, but but they're yeah, they're still not. I think they're pretty undervalued. Um, Ron Ang, uh, a buddy of ours who bought my old M Coupe, uh, he's considering selling his S2000. He's got a really nice one. Um, right? I'm sure that uh, maybe you even like know each other from our rallies and stuff. You should hit him up. Yeah. How about a? Um, Too bad you can't. How get about an like a not an M Coupe, but a just the, yeah, the, the three liter, the three liter. Yeah. I was going to say that early too. It's at 15. You're at the bottom, at kind of the bottom of the barrel type. How about so a 2.8? Find one. Yeah. It's possible, yeah. yeah. Dude, S two thousand with the spoon roof would be sick. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you're going spoon. The fork roof is more functional, though, right? I like that spork. I would yeah, imagine you would be more of a fan of the spork roof, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more versatile. Um, all right, I guess we're going to call out a podcast. Thanks cool, for listening. Good chatting, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, anything you guys want to plug? You guys should listen MCS? to DWA. Dirtfish? Yeah, just just uh, go to Dirtfish and uh <laughs> Yeah, so Peter he's paid by Dirtfish. He's just like infiltrating our group and slowly yeah. introducing us to all yeah. these ideas and playing it super cool, like you know, you would never guess, but yeah. joking about like, it, you know. Full spy. Heel and Toe Apparel dot com. Oh yeah, Heel and Toe. Oh yeah, we're gonna rock Heel That's right. Heel and Toe. Nice. Dr. Pepper. Um, yeah. All right. See you next time, guys. Have fun, guys. Yep. Yep. Later. Cheers. Have fun out there. Later. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Do you enjoy the DWA podcast? Give us a little love and support us on Patreon and get some awesome bonuses like a weekly exclusive Patreon podcast, exclusive stickers, koozies, and discounts on everything in our store, early access to rallies and other DWA events, and much, much more. Um, yeah, it really helps us out if you become a patron of the podcast And we hook you up with some really cool stuff. So join us now at patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thanks.